you made your way here, you might as well make it count tonight. I said you might as well. I didn't come to see what you were wearing. I didn't come to get the latest gossip. I didn't come to impress you. But I came because I came to get my blessing. I came to get my miracle. I came to get a word from her. And I got news for you. I'm not leaving until I get it tonight. If I got a dance, then baby, I'm going to dance. If I got to run, then I'm going to run. If I got to shout,
a book that was written. And in the man's study, he categorizes people into three categories. He said, you have adversity that comes to everybody. Anybody live long enough to understand that the rain falls on the just and the unjust? Everybody going to go through a little something now and then. And he said, there's three categories of people. He said, the first category of people are people that are fragile. Every time the, the, the going gets tough, they just fall apart. Every time they get struggled, they become unstable. Every time there's resistance, they just, you, you don't know if you can depend on them. They're down in the, they're fragile people. He said, then you have another category of people that, that are stable. When the going gets tough, you ain't going to move them. When hard times come, you can just look over your shoulder and know they're going to be where they're supposed to be. He said, but there's a third category of people. And these people are anti-fragile. What does that mean, preacher? They thrive in adversity. And when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the harder it gets, the stronger they become. The more the adversity to win, the more that they were opposed and afflicted, the more they grew. I wonder if there's any anti-fragile people in the building that would just shout, I'm wiser. Them anti-fragile people, you can tell when they're going through something because they dance extra in church. You can tell them anti-fragile people because when they're going through something, uh, they run an extra couple of laps on a Tuesday night. Uh, you can tell them extra fragile people uh, because you can't hardly get them back in their seat. Uh, when they go, I wonder if there's anybody in the building. You're part of a church uh, that Jesus said... Uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against much. I feel it in this place tonight. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, tell him, neighbor, tell him I'm a counterpuncher. When I get hit, I hit back twice as hard. Come on, anybody got that in their spirit tonight? Uh, you mess with me, devil, I'll double my prayer time. Mess with me, devil, I'll double my fasting. You mess with me, devil, I'm liable to shout uh, in the grocery line at the store. Uh, you mess with me, uh, I'll jump out of my car at the red light uh, and give God a... Hey! I feel victory in this place tonight. 
Anybody grateful that God hit the reset for you on Sunday? You know what that means? This is the first Tuesday of a new year if God hit the reset. This is the first Tuesday of the year for you to go ahead and start your reset the way God intended for you to have it. My God, this thing liable to blow up if we're not careful tonight. You excited to be in the house of the Lord in this place? My, 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 God has been doing some incredible things around here tonight. You can just remain right where you're at. We're going to remain in this posture. I want to remind you February the 4th. Shout February 4th. Supernatural Sunday. Amen. Everybody's going to be in the house of God on February 4th. 100% attendance on February 4th. Amen. And we're going to see the power of what happens when two or three agree together as touching any one thing. When that happens, dreams become reality. I got any believers in the house tonight? It's going to be an incredible time in the Holy Ghost. Sunday morning, two more were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Sunday night, what a move of God was in this place Sunday night. We never made it to the preaching of the Word. God's presence was here so strong. And uh, our, our great evangelist did such an incredible job just flowing in the anointing of what God was doing. I don't know about you, but I feel something lingering from Sunday in this atmosphere tonight. Anybody beside me? There's a, there's a continuity of what God is doing in this place. I don't know about you, but I came expecting something great from God. Is that how you feel tonight? Come on, if you came expecting something great from God one more time, would you put your hands together? Come on, I need you to do, I need you to do your best uh, to let God know that you're hungry tonight for everything uh, that he has. Give God a great big praise uh, as evangelist Irvin comes to deliver the word to us tonight. Come on, give it to God right now. Somebody give God praise in the house right now. Somebody magnify him right now. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, oh God. You're wonderful in all the earth, oh God. We've come to praise you, Jesus. We've come to magnify you today, oh God. You're worthy to be praised, Jesus. Woo! Praise God. He's worthy to be praised. It doesn't matter how you feel. He's worthy to be praised. It doesn't matter what life has thrown your way. He's worthy to be praised. It doesn't matter if you've got money in your pocket or if you're broke as a joke. He's worthy to be praised. Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Anybody glad to be here on a Tuesday night? Man, amen. You can stay where you are. You can be seated. I got a word for the people today. Genesis chapter 37. So I begin to pray and seek God for this weekend and this week. God was moving on me and 
As we slipped off into Sunday night, God confirmed some things in my spirit for what we were going to do today. So I feel like I got a word for the people. Genesis chapter 37. While you're turning there, let me say again what an honor it is to be here. I call the Rock Church family. I don't even feel like I'm away from home. I feel right at home. Amen. Whenever, whenever we're blessed to be able to come and minister here, it is a high honor. It is a high privilege. And I'm glad to be among the people of God and, and among friends and people that we look up to in the kingdom of God. Anybody thankful for your great leadership? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What wonderful people. I count it an honor to be connected with them, to be able to watch them and have wonderful guides to be able to follow after in the kingdom of God. They're doing a great work. Praise God. You ought to be excited if you go to church here. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 37. We'll begin reading in verse 18. Very familiar passage of scripture that we're going to be dealing with here today. But I believe we're in the will of God today. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, the Bible says that they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come down, therefore, let us slay him. Cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. We shall see what will become of his dreams. With much prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God for this service, I believe I'm right in the middle of the will of God right now. And I believe I've got a word for his people tonight. The Holy Ghost told me to tell somebody in this house, don't bury the dream. Don't bury the dream. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy, oh God. God, we thank you for your loving kindness, God. We thank you for your tender mercy, God. We thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence and give you praise and adoration, God. God, let me be a blessing to your people, oh God. God, let me speak to their situations right where they are. God, let me encourage your body of believers here today. God, help us, oh God. Give us a word in the house, oh God. Give us a move of your spirit, oh God. And we won't hesitate to give you the praise. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands as loud as you can. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In the book of Genesis, we read all throughout the book about the different things that God would want to start uh, the narrative of the word of God. The book starts from the beginning.
beginning, in the beginning, and he begins to detail creation. He begins to detail all of the things that he wanted us to know. And as we follow the narrative, there is a lot of things that he could have put within the book of Genesis. Some scholars say that the book of Genesis could have been as long as God wanted it to be. Uh, 700 chapters, some would say, if you would, with all the understanding that would contain uh, what God was trying to explain to us in the first books of the Bible. And as we kick along, we start to see God unfolding truths to us. It is the law of first mention. It's important that when we read the book of Genesis, we pay very close attention because it's setting a precedent for what's going to happen throughout the whole book. Can I tell you today that you ought not skip out on reading the book of Genesis, but sometimes you got to go back to the beginning so you can realize where we are right now. And so God would set up all of these things in the book of Genesis, but but nothing took more precedent than this story that we're talking about today as God would spend chapter after chapter detailing the life of the man Joseph. And Joseph, we understand, was the favorite of his father Jacob because he was the son of his old age. And Joseph was not, Jacob was not quick to hide the favoritism that he would put on his son Joseph as he would give him a coat of many colors. It would signify that this is my favorite son, Joseph. Brothers, they were envious of Joseph, and day in and day out, they they found themselves uh, feeling uh, upset about how the relationship between Joseph and Jacob was happening, and how they were treated compared to how Joseph was treated. They at times, I'm sure, felt like they lived a life of "I'm not enough" when it came to the father. They watched the way that Jacob looked at Joseph. They saw the things that he did with him, and every time they saw that coat of many colors it put an envy inside of their spirit and they wondered will I ever be able to have the relationship that Jacob, Joseph had with his dad wondering if he would ever be able to be afforded to have the relationship that they had can I stop for just a minute and tell you that some people that are watching your relationship with God they don't just hate you but they hate the relationship that you have with the father they don't just my God my God can I preach to you today that the hatred that you feel is not about who you are but the hatred that you feel is the proximity that you have with the father it's the relationship that they see reflected in the father they wanted a relationship like that they wanted to be close to the father hey can I tell somebody in this house if you want to be close to the father all you've got to do is get to the house of God and get in the word of God and you can have the same type of relationship with the father you don't have to be a hater you people get it twisted and they think man he just hates me because of who I am and the life that I live but can I tell you some of your haters they just hate that the proximity of the father and the favor that comes from the father I come to preach to somebody that know what it is to have favor on your life I'm sorry we say it all the time favor ain't fair can I tell you baby favor ain't fair I'm blessed my God my God but they don't just hate you they hate 
the relationship between you and the Father. They hate the proximity between you and the Father. They hate watching you talk and, and, and talk to God and when you come down here and pray and you've got a deep relationship with the Father. Can I preach to you and let you know, don't worry about your haters. You don't worry about those that are hating on your prayer life. You got to keep on praying, baby. You better keep on fasting. You better keep on doing the will of God. You got to maintain the relationship with the Father. Don't worry about the haters today. But haters do what haters do. Haters hate. I say it all the time. Losers focus on winners. And winners focus on winning. And if you're in the house of God today and you've got a relationship with the Father, I come to tell you, you keep on winning and you keep on going with God. And don't worry about what nobody thinks about you when you get down on your knees to pray. And some people start hating on you when you get a shout in your spirit. But you better keep on shouting, baby. You better keep on dancing. You better keep on, my God, my God. But to make matters worse, Joseph began to dream. You know, I could have put up with Joseph if it was just the favoritism. I could have put up with Joseph if it was just the relationship that I saw reflecting that, that it wasn't the relationship that I had. I could have put up with Joseph then, but it wasn't about Joseph. It was about the dream. Can I preach to somebody on a Tuesday night and let you know that your adversary, he hates your dream. He hates what God has put in your spirit. He hates the thing that God has birthed on the inside of you. But I come to tell you today, you never give up on the dream. Don't you put the dream down. It doesn't matter who's hating on you it doesn't matter who hates the dream you gotta keep the dream in your heart today trouble didn't come on that level for the man Joseph until he began to dream can I tell you it's a dangerous thing to have dreams in your heart it's a dangerous thing to walk around with your dream and I believe Joseph was a young man and he didn't really understand how to tell anybody else his dream without it seeming arrogant he was already the father of his old age and the one that had all the blessings that were coming from the father but but Joseph wanted to let somebody know about the dream he wanted to tell somebody about the dream but can I tell you a little bit of secret today everybody's not going to be excited about your dream everybody's not going to shout with you when God gives you a breakthrough everybody's not going to rejoice with you when you were lost but now you're found everybody's not going to want to hear the news about the miracle that God is putting in your life everybody doesn't want to hear about your dream today so the brothers started getting frustrated. They said, you know what, man? They said, you know what? We see them coming from afar off, and you've got to understand, Joseph probably didn't even understand that he had haters. When you focused on what you're supposed to be focusing on, oftentimes you don't even see the haters that are coming up against your life when you've got your eyes fixed on the Father and you've got your eyes fixed on the dream and you've got your eyes fixed on your relationship with the Father. You don't even understand that you've got haters in your world. But 
Joseph was going to see about his brethren, the Bible says that he goes to the man and he says, the man says, what are you looking for? What are you doing here? And he said, I seek my brethren. He wanted to be with his brothers. He was going to see about his brothers. He wanted to be with those that should have had his back. He wanted to be with those that should have been in his corner. But as they saw him afar off, the Bible says, that they conspired against him and they spoke with one another and they said, you know what we can do? We can slay him and we can cast him into a pit and then we're going to see. It was snarky. It was, it was, it was, it was cynical. It was, I don't believe in the dreams that God has given him, but I know what I'm going to do. We're going to destroy his dream. And they said these words, they said, we will see what will become of his dreams. And they were wanting to know, God, are you going to really do what you said you were going to do? Because God, we're going to stand in the way of the dream. We're going to stand in the way of the promise. We're going to stand in the way of the vision, but I've got news for hell today. I want to let hell know. I want to let every devil in hell know. I want to let my adversary know that there ain't nobody that can stand in the way of the dream that God gave you. There ain't nobody that can stand in the way of the vision that God put in your life. There ain't nobody today. And it was Reuben. He said, you know what? Let's not kill him. He said, let's just cast him into this pit. And then we can pick him up and deliver him to his father. Can I tell you that Reuben is the son of affliction? Can I tell you that affliction will throw you in the pit? Affliction will put you in a deep place. Affliction, will, my God, my God, affliction will put you down deep, down deep. And affliction and bitterness will put you in a place and it'll watch and see what will become of your dreams. Can I tell you, when affliction rises up in your life, you got to give God praise. When affliction begins to rise up in your life, you got to say, God, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to magnify you. I'm still going to give you everything that I've got. But he was the son of affliction and he, he threw him in the pit and now Joseph is in the pit and the Bible says that the, the, the well that they threw Joseph in was an empty well and there was no water in it. But can I tell you today that when they threw Joseph in the pit, the, the well wasn't empty anymore because now it was full of dreams. It was full of hope. It was full of potential. Hey, I come to tell you today that if you find yourself in a pit right now and you feel like you're all by yourself you're not by yourself baby your dream is in the pit with you your the vision is in the pit with you victory is in the and so he is surrounded by darkness in the pit and now what do you do when you're sitting in the pit and you don't know how God is going to bring you out? What do you do when you're sitting in a pit and you're looking for a way out but you can't find an escape route? What do you do when nobody else is standing with you and the people that were supposed to be standing with you are the ones that threw you down in the pit? What do you do when you're living 
life and you're trying to do everything right but you find yourself in a pit what do you do when, when all hell is broken loose in your world and you don't know how to get yourself out of it what do you do can I tell you something today the Bible says that it was the man Judah that said let's pull him out of the pit can I preach to somebody right now that knows what Judah means can I tell you that Judah means praise can I tell you what will grab you out of the pit is your praise what will get you out of the dark place is your praise what do I do in dark times I give them praise what do I do when my back is up against the wall? I gotta get a praise in my spirit. I've gotta get a praise in my heart and I've gotta magnify him. Judah said, well, you know, we got to get him out of this pit. It's not even going to make us any money. It don't matter why they're getting him out of the pit. They're getting him out of the pit. But Judah means praise. And in the middle of the darkness and in the middle of the midnight hour and in the middle of nowhere to go and nowhere to turn, there was a cry from Judah that said, let's get him out of the pit. I come to remind somebody that you've been sitting on God for a while and you're having them giving them praise and you're waiting till you get out of the chaos. You got to learn how to praise God right in the middle of your mess. You got to learn how to praise God right in the middle of the chaos. You got to learn how to praise God right where you are right now I know darkness is all around I know your back is up against the wall but I wonder can you praise them right now praise will get you out what do you do when you don't know what to do you give God praise you say preacher that's too simple I need a written dissertation about how I get out of this mess and I need a road map so you can let me know the way to get out baby I'm telling you it may be simple today but if you just let down your pride pick yourself up and give God praise God will break you out of that jail cell God will break you out of the pit today God will bring you out It's tough to praise God when your back is up against the wall, though. But the psalmist said, and he preached about it a little bit earlier, I will bless the Lord at all times. See, some people, they only want to give God a conditional praise. God, I'm going to sign this because my praise has terms and conditions. And if it's sunny outside, then I'll praise you. And if you put a little bit of money in my pocket, then I'll give you praise. And if you make everything all right. But the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the, the Lord delivered them out of them all. I come to tell you, it's going to be some dark times, baby. It's going to be some difficult times. Your back is going to be up against the wall sometimes. But the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I wonder if somebody right now give them praise in the middle of your chaos. 
You know what makes the, the devil mad? You know what makes hell afraid? When you give God praise in the pit. When you give God praise with the darkness all around you. So praise is what was going to get him out. But, but before we get out of the pit... What goes through your mind when you're holding on to a dream but you're in a dark place? What goes through your mind when God has just given you a dream and he's let you know this is going to happen in your life but you got to be ready to receive it? What happens when you find yourself in, in less ideal circumstances and in a pit right now? I'm standing in a pit, God, but you told me I had a dream. I'm standing in a pit, God, but I don't see it coming to pass. And so people in the middle of the pit, they start getting frustrated with God. And this is the place where Joseph has to make a decision. Because even though Judah was going to bring him out, he had to make a decision about whether he was going to come out with something in his hand or whether he was going to bury the dream that God put in his heart in the pit. Some people are content that God will pull them out of their situation and their struggle. But some people make up in their mind, I don't want to walk through that again. I don't want to go through that again. So the easiest thing for me to do is just abort the process. The easiest thing for me to do is to bury the dream. But I come to declare to somebody on a Tuesday night, don't you bury the dream. You got to have the dream with you. You got to. It's like Paul. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And then he says these words, and I love this. He said, I have kept the faith. You say that's poetic and that sounds good, Brother Irvin, but let me tell you what that looks like in real time. That looks like being shipwrecked. That looks like being beaten with whips. That looks like being stoned and left for dead. That looks like, my God, that looks like being chained to a Roman soldier. Can I tell you, there's going to be times in your life when the adversary comes up against you and he's going to hit you with his best shot. But I just want to know today, do you still got the dream? Do you still got the vision? Are you holding on to the faith? Saint of God, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to abort the process? Or are you going to continue to hold on to your dream? Are you going to say, you know what? I want to come out of the pit, but I don't want nothing to do with the dream that God put in my heart. Or are you going to say, you know what? No matter what I got to go through, no matter what I got to walk through, no matter how difficult it may seem, I'm still going to hold on to the dream. Can I preach to somebody right now and encourage you and let you know, don't you bury the dream, baby. Don't you let the dream go. You got to hold it up today. So Joseph is in this pit. Darkness is all around him. Can I tell you that when you go through difficult times, but you've got a dream in your spirit, it may be the only thing that can minister to you in that difficult time. 
you're looking for a word from God can I tell you God already put a word down on the inside of you you're looking for God to speak to you you got to go back to the last time God spoke to you and when he told you there's going to be a dream and I'm putting something in your spirit and it will come to pass but we live in a microwave generation can I preach for a little while we live in a microwave generation we live in a generation where we don't like to wait we live in a generation I remember I was taking taking a picture of my friend and his grandmother and we had I had my cell phone and I snapped this picture of her she's probably about 75 80 years old and when I took the picture she said let me know when the pictures develop because she understood the process of waiting that generation knew what it was to cook, cook food on the, on the stove and have to wait it out for a little while. So they had something in their spirit where they say, you know what, it's okay to wait because the cooking's going to be good. It's okay to wait. But we like things at our fingertips and I'm thankful for that because I need some things to happen right now and I know that we serve a God of suddenly and we serve a God that'll do it right now but can I preach to you a God that'll deal with you in process can I preach to you a God that'll deal with you step by step what do I do in my situation I pick them up and put them down what do I do in my trouble I pick them up and put them down what do I do when I'm in a pit right now I pick one don't get frustrated with God Jeremiah 29 11 I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith God everybody in this building can quote it I can hold up the mic and we can have the verse quoted and talks about an expected end and we love to preach the expected end. I'm telling you, I love to preach about the expected end. But when you take things out of context and you forget to back it up to verse 4, what God said, you're going to be in captivity. You're going to be in bondage, Israel. You're going to be there for 70 years. He said, but don't get frustrated, Israel. I've got an expected end that I'm taking you to. I'm preaching to somebody right now that you're going to have to walk through some trials in order to get your dream. You're going to have to walk through some trouble in order to get your dream. You're going to have to walk through some valleys in order to be on the mountaintop. But don't get weary in well-doing. God's got an expected end. You know what he told him? He said, I want you to build houses. But we're in captivity, God. He said, I want you to plant vineyards. But God, we're in bondage right now. We need to just sit down and do nothing. We need to just sit down and wait for the time to come. No, 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 no. He said, I want you to be fruitful. I come to tell somebody that right now in the middle of the pit, you can still be fruitful. Right now in the middle of the trouble, you can still be fruitful. Right now in the middle of the dilemma that you're living in, God wants you to be fruitful. When I say wait on God, I don't mean sit there and do nothing. 
When I say wait on God, I mean get busy about the process of God because it's in the process of God where you're going to figure out what you're going to be doing when you're standing in the palace. Can I preach to you, Joseph, and let you know you got to have the pit in your world so you can stand in the palace. You got to have Potiphar's house so you can stand in the palace. You got to be locked up in a jail cell. God said, I got to expect it in for you. He said, but in the meantime, who am I preaching to tonight? I'm preaching to somebody that's in an in-between place. You haven't seen the dream come to pass yet, but you're standing in an in-between place because God's already given you the dream. And can I tell you today, if God gave you the dream, you ain't even got to worry about it. It will come to pass. God's got an expected end for you. God's got somewhere that he's taken you. But I want to preach to somebody and let you know that dreams are tricky. And a vision from God is tricky. Because what God will do is God will show you some of the highlights of that dream. And you'll say, oh yeah, I can't wait to be doing that. But God never revealed the pit. God never revealed Potiphar's house and God never revealed the prison because if he would have showed Joseph all of that then Joseph would have went the other way I come to tell you God has an expected end but there's some things that you've got to pick up along the way and put in your pocket that you're going to need for later that you're going to need when you're standing in the palace watch how God works he separates Joseph in the pit. My God, my God. Can I preach for a little while and let you know there's some places that only you're called to go? We live in a generation where everybody want to do ministry like this. I'll go, God, if my friends go with me. I'll go, God, if everybody's on my, I'm telling you, I believe in unity. But sometimes God wants to separate you from everything that you've ever known so that he can develop you into what he's called you to be. So Joseph is separated in the pit. Sometimes God's got to pull you out of the house of the familiar and take you out into the deep. Somebody's been living in the shallows for way too long. It's time for you to tread some deep waters. God's got a great blessing for you, but you're never going to get it in the shallows. You're never going to mind. So God separates Joseph in the pit. And then he leads him to Potiphar's house. And you say, why did you have to do all of that, God? Because it was in Potiphar's house where he picked up a key ingredient. Do you understand? Joseph was going to mediate all the things that was happening in the land. Joseph is a type of Christ. And if Joseph didn't go to Potiphar's house and learn how to be a good steward, then everybody would have died when Joseph got to the palace. I come to tell somebody, don't despise the pit and don't despise Potiphar's house. But you got to ride out the process because God's teaching you something. So he's separated in the pit. And in Potiphar's house, he learns how to be a steward. 
Bible says that Joseph was blessed everywhere he went and the house of Potiphar. Can I tell you, Potiphar didn't even live for God. It is the absolute will of God that everything you touch is blessed. It's the absolute will of God that your job that you work for, even though they don't live for God, it's going to go up. It's going to go up because the apostolics are here. The children of God are here. The favor of the Lord is in the house. So in Potiphar's house, he learned how to be a steward of the house. And then he gets sent to prison. And in prison, the Bible says that there wasn't anything in that prison that Joseph couldn't touch. I'm just, I'm simple in my, in my, in my orientation. So when I look at the word of God, I try to put myself in the narrative. And when I put myself in the narrative and I got to walk through all of this stuff, I've got to imagine that there are some keys hanging up on that jail cell. There's some keys somewhere for me to get out of my situation. But when you know you've got a dream and you're just waiting on God, you know I can't abort the process because I need the process so I can stand in the place that God has called me to stand in. Brother Irvin, why am I going through hard times? I'll tell you why. Because everything you're gaining in this present moment, God's not a God of waste. Disciples said, I'm, I'm, we still hungry. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And Jesus looked at him and he, he asked him about the fragments. He said, I know I've got some more. Don't you waste anything. Can I tell you, God's not a God of waste. He's not just using your life for a trial run. He's not just playing around with your world. God's got something great for you. God's got something big for you. God's got an expected end. You've got to believe it. And you've got to hold on. And you've got to say, God, I still believe We got to learn how to wait. Can you get me Habakkuk chapter 2? Habakkuk chapter 2. This is what God has birthed into my spirit in study. As I was trying to get a word for the people. Habakkuk the prophet says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what shall answer when I am reproved. And he's waiting on an answer. Next verse. And the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision. He said, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Can I preach to somebody right now? You need to write down what God told you to do. And every single day, you need to pull it back out so you can read it when you run by. Every day you walk out of the house to go to work, you need to remember the truth. Dream. Every day you get up in the morning, somewhere in your house, you need to say, I still remember the dream, God. I know I hadn't seen it yet, but God, I still believe. I'm telling you, you got to make your dreams real. You waiting on it to happen 
in this present world, but all things are created twice. It's first created in the ether, but when God spoke it into the atmosphere, it was already done. I know we don't see it in the physical world, but in the spirit world, the dream is waiting and it's hovering and it's ready for somebody to get to the appointed time so that the dream can be cast onto your life. Don't you get weary, baby, in well-doing, but you just gotta wait on God. You just gotta say, God, I'm writing a vision. I'm making it plain and I still believe for the vision is yet for an appointed time that's how God works because some people they get frustrated with God because they don't get it when they think they need it but we serve a God that'll give it to you in the hour that you need it. We serve a God that'll withhold the dream from you and make sure that you're ready to receive it and ready to stand in it. So don't you get weary, baby. God's going to work it out. God's going to make it happen. God's going to do what he said. It's for an appointed time. I love this part. But in the end, it shall speak and it won't lie. Though it tarry, though it's taken a little while, I feel like preaching to somebody on a Tuesday night. Though it's tarrying and though it's taken a little while, though you've had to wait on Though you've been way patiently waited, God, when is it going to be here? Like a kid ready for Christmas. I can't wait for the day to come. Though you've been waiting, baby, can I tell you? Can I tell you? He said, though it tarry, wait for it. What do you do when you're sitting in a pit? What do you do when you've got these dreams from God, but you feel like your back is up against the wall and life is about to be over? Can I preach to you? God is not a man that he can lie. Can I tell you? God is bound to his word and God won't deviate from the word that was already spoken. If God spoke it, baby, you can take it to the bank. It's going to come to pass, but you got to wait for it. He said, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. One transliteration says it this way. It will surely come and it will not arrive late. Oh my God. It will surely come and it will not arrive late. I've got a business that time is very sensitive. And sometimes I'm checking my phone because I need something to show up on time. And when I look at my phone and I see that my item is not here yet, my God, I could preach about this because Sunday I was waiting on a package. My friends texting me saying, man, what, what you had on? They said, Jay Irvin, you good, bro? But everybody knows what it is to be anxious and, and wait and, and believe that something is going to be late. But I read to you in your hearing that it's going to surely come. And not only is it going to come, it's not going to be late, baby. It's going to be right on time. You just got to believe today. You just got to believe. God asking a question tonight. I've given you a dream. But are you willing to wait for it? I've given you a promise, 
but are you willing to wait for it? I've given you the vision and you've wrote it plain and I know you've been waiting on it for a long time but I just want to know on a Tuesday night are you willing to wait for it? I come to preach to somebody tonight and let you know that the dream is going to come to pass that God's going to do what he said he was going to do that his word will not return void. But it's going to accomplish that which is set forth to do. But my job in the meantime, my job in the pit, my job in Potiphar's house, my job in a jail cell, when I don't see my way out and I try to get out of the jail cell, I just got to keep on waiting on God. I know it's going to come. I don't know when it's going to come, but I've got a promise today that it's not going to be late and it's going to be right on time. Can I preach to somebody right now and let you know you're going to know it's on time because you're going to be walking in your blessing. You're going to know it's on time because you're going to be holding up the truth. Don't get weary in well-doing. God has an expected end. But here's where I want to preach to us today. That in the middle of the process of God, in the middle of the threshing floor of God, the easiest thing for us to do is to neglect a dream. The easiest thing for us to do is to cast aside the dream. The easiest thing for us to do is say, God, every time I'm carrying this dream, it's so much weight on me. So I'd rather just get this dream off of my back and I just want to live how I want to live. No, 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 baby. You got to wait for it because it's still going to happen. But you've got to get under the load of what God said he was going to do and you've got to declare on a Tuesday night, I will not bury my dream. I will not abort the process. I will not do that today but we get this attitude in our spirit that says you know what I hadn't seen it come to pass yet and so right here because I'm frustrated at God and because I'm sick and tired of waiting and because my patience is wearing I'm preaching to somebody right now my patience is wearing thin with the God of the universe because I'm standing in this place and I want to just move on with my life but I can't live with that dream I'd rather not have the dream in my world you say you know what I'm just going to bury the dream and you start digging up the dirt you start making a way where you can throw the dream down into the pit even though God has delivered you from the pit you say you know what God I don't want any more of that I don't want to walk through what I had to walk through and so you make a decision and you say I'm gonna bury the dream right here Bible says there was a man by the name of Jairus and he met Jesus at the shore he said my daughter is at the point of death. Jesus said, okay, he followed him to the house. But in the middle of the journey on the way to the house, he runs into the very famous story of the woman with the issue of blood. 
Can I tell you, Jesus wasn't going to see about the woman with the issue of blood, but Jesus was headed to Jairus' daughter. But can I preach to you today that even though Jesus has got something to do, Jesus will wait for you, and Jesus will take care of what you need right now. He may be going to see about somebody else, but if you just get the attention of God, God will come by your way. But I can imagine him as he's talking about his daughter he's thinking about his daughter but have you ever thought about Jairus having to stand there and watch somebody else get their breakthrough when he needed something from God have you ever wondered about Jairus having to watch all of the things that were happening with the woman with the issue of blood and wondering God the clock is ticking God I need you to do something God my daughter is about to die he has to sit there and watch Jesus gets done with the woman with the issue of blood. The man comes from Jairus' house and he says, leave Jesus alone. Your daughter's already dead. Jesus said, follow me. He said, don't worry about what he's saying. He said, only believe. Bible says that he calls only a few of the disciples to go with him and he dismissed everybody else and the Bible says that as he made his way to the house the mourners were already there and the mourners were already mourning and the funeral procession had already started and Jesus could hear them mourning and crying for what was already lost I'm preaching to somebody right now as Jesus was hearing them as they were crying about what they had lost by all accounts the girl was dead by all accounts the girl was gone by all accounts it was a foregone conclusion but when Jesus walks in the room even though that was the existential truth the girl was dead it was over there was nothing that could be done because with men there are things that are impossible but when Jesus steps into the room even though the report was that she was dead he said the girl's not dead but she's just asleep Let me tell you what you got to do if you want to see a resurrection in your life, if you want to see a breakthrough in your world, if you want to see something live again, the next thing that he does is he dismissed all of the doubters. You know what, Brother Irvin can't stand? I can't stand negative people. I can't stand people that, would, that wouldn't care about what God has put in my heart. I would separate myself from everybody that would say something about my dream. Homie, you ain't talking about my dream. God's going to make it happen. God's going to bring it to pass. Don't talk about my dream. You got to separate yourself from dream killers. Some of you are way too comfortable with people that will destroy your dream. If anybody will step on your dream and belittle your dream, you need to dismiss them from your life. Can I tell you, I'm not telling you to be mean. I'm telling you to be Christ-like. Jesus said all the doubters have got to get out of the room. Everybody that doesn't believe has got to go. Bible says they laughed him to scorn. I'm telling you, you're not doing anything of merit or you're not doing anything big if people aren't laughing at your dreams. 
You're not doing anything great if the dreams that you had don't scare you. I'm telling you, I got some things rolling around in my head right now that God wants to do in my life that scares me. I can't walk in that, God. I'm not qualified to walk in that. But can I preach to somebody that God didn't worry about whether you're qualified or not? Can I tell you today, nobody's qualified. But God wants to work in your life. God wants to bring it to pass. God wants to make it happen. put everybody out he goes into that room looks at that girl and he says Talitha Kumi which means damsel arise and we know the story the little girl gets up and she lives again can I preach to somebody in this sanctuary tonight? Can I minister to you right now? Can I encourage you right now that the dream that God has given you, even though you may have made a mistake and buried it, even though you cast it away, God is a God of grace and mercy, and God is waiting on you to go and grab a shovel because the dream is not dead yet. Can I preach to somebody and let you know you've called your dream dead, but God said the dream is not dead, baby, but the dream is just asleep. You you gotta go wake it up today. You gotta go dig it up today. Somebody needs to get a spiritual shovel and say, you know what, devil? I know I made a mistake and buried my dream, but the dream is still alive. The idea of the wake, where we come and view the body before death. There's many conversations about where it originated. But you will read far back and you'll find about the Irish wake. And what they would do is they would fill up the house full of people. And they didn't have the body down at the funeral home, but they would put the body in the house. And there were a few reasons that they put the body in the house. One of the reasons is so that everybody could fellowship and say their last goodbyes to the dead. But in that time, there was an epidemic that was something that was happening because they didn't have the technology that we had. They didn't have all the things that we had. They didn't have the resources that we had. So another reason they would have the house in the body, in the, the body in the house with a lot of people around is so that they would make sure that nobody would rise back up from the dead. In that time, they had people waking up out of the casket. They had people saying, you know what? I'm not dead yet can I preach to somebody today and let you know that's what your dream is doing right now it's saying I'm not dead yet stop the funeral stop the procession I've still got some life left I don't know who I'm preaching to right now but you've been comfortable with your dream, Dad. You feel like you haven't had to carry the weight of what God has said you were going to be. But tonight is the night. I said tonight is the night that you get a supernatural shovel. And you say, you know what? We're going to dig up the dream again. We're going to pick it up again. I'm going to dust it off. And I'm going to hold it up to God. Don't bury the dream. Don't bury. Stand with me all over this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Does anybody feel that in the sanctuary? Does anybody feel faith rising in the room right now? Does anybody feel a breakthrough in the atmosphere? 
Here's what we're going to do for just a few moments. I'm telling you, I feel the same spirit that was here Sunday night. I haven't been able to shake it. I haven't been able to move from it since that night. I've been praying and God's been still plunging this into my spirit. I'm speaking to somebody right now that you have aborted the process and you have said, God, the dream is dead. God, the dream is dead. Can I give you a word today and let you know the dream is not dead. The dream is not dead. The dream is not dead, but it's going to come at the appointed time. But I wonder if I got somebody in the house that'll dig up the dream the dream is still alive the dream is still alive you gotta hold up the dream today I'm preaching to people right now that your back is up against the wall and you've been frustrated with God because everything that he said you feel like you, your calling is you're going in the opposite direction of where God wants to land you but can I remind you today that we serve a God that's not a man that he can lie. We serve a God, my God, the devil is a liar. And some of you have been listening to the report of the devil that would say the dream is dead. But I come to lift up a shout in the sanctuary and let somebody know the dream is still alive. Don't you bury the dream. God's still going to make it happen. I wonder, can somebody rejoice? I wonder, can somebody shout? I wonder, can somebody praise right now in the house of God? Come on, somebody. Give God a great praise. Come on, somebody. If you believe it, you got to pick up your dream. You got to go and get your dream. Here's what we're going to do right now. already been preached the dream has already been cast for your life there's some people that's got something deep down on the inside of them there's some people that's buried some things in the ground and said God you know what it's just not gonna happen I want somebody right now we're not gonna we're not gonna cry we're not gonna weep but what we are going to do for the next few moments of this service is we are going to rejoice because the dream is gonna happen we are going to dance we are going to shout we are going to give God the greatest praise that we've given him this year because my dream is still alive my dream is still alive don't you bury the dream today I wonder right now as they begin to play I wonder can somebody shout I wonder, can somebody dance? I wonder, can somebody leave for joy right now? Come on, your dream is still alive. Your dream is still alive. Your dream is still alive. Come on, shout like you believe it right now.
Some of y'all acting like you already living your best life and you already had your best days. And some of you are praising like, man, I know where I'm at tonight. You're praising like you've already seen it come to pass. But I need somebody to praise right now like you haven't seen it yet, but you know God's gonna do it. You haven't walked in it yet, but you know you're gonna be standing there. You haven't felt it yet, but God's still gonna do it. I wonder can somebody shout? I wonder can somebody dance? I wonder can somebody give God your best praise right now? Come on, go, go, go. Somebody that's waiting on something right now. 
I need you to run as fast as you can to this front. Can I tell you something? God operates by faith. The currency of the kingdom is faith. And if you have faith to believe, God's able to do it. You will see God do it. I want somebody that needs something from God to get as close as you can to this altar. And what we're going to do for just a couple moments is we're going to give God the best praise that we can give him. We're going to praise God for the victory. We're going to praise God for the breakthrough. We're going to praise God because the dream is still alive.